Hey, everybody. We're usually going to have a really fun pre-party or post-party podcast that's digital-only special to our listeners. Uh, but tonight we really felt like the conversation we had on the show was what was most worth listening to. So we hope you guys enjoy it. That's right. Show two of Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. And we are already uh, thrown quite a curveball. Uh, just a couple hours ago, we started to hear rumors that there would be potentially a boycott in the NBA. And now we see all Game 5s in the NBA postponed. Uh, there's some semantics around the word boycott, right? You boycott a product, you strike if you are the product. So perhaps this is more of a strike than a boycott. But either way, this is the NBA and the Bucks specifically who began this, saying to all, to quote J.R. Smith, you don't want to listen to us? Well, now you can't see us either. Jason Fitz here with me, Sarah Spain. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. There's so much to get to around this, around the the waves that are now reaching the MLB, where the Brewers game, uh, they elected not to play tonight. What will this mean for outside of those two sports even? We already saw the Lions sitting out of practice to have discussions about Jacob Blake, what happened in Kenosha, and the ensuing civil unrest in that town afterwards. Jason, I think one of the biggest things is to figure out how to talk about this uh, sort of compartmentally. And let's start with this decision to boycott and what you think gets accomplished by saying we're taking away the basketball that we were so worried would distract you from this pivotal moment in our country. Well, I think, Sarah, at some point you've got to look at what the players wanted when they came in the bubble, which was to make sure that they could still play basketball, but then also speak to what's important. This is the moment where sort of the rubber meets the road. Uh, Obviously, what's happened in the last 48, 72 hours across the country has people uh, were re-perked, right? Everybody's looking at it again, trying to figure out how do we get here again? How do we get past this? How do we move forward? How do we get better? All of these questions that people are trying to ask. And and realistically, if you're a player that walked into the bubble and felt like, man, I'm taking a risk here, not not a COVID-19 risk. That's a totally different situation. But I'm taking a risk in having my voice quieted because there's such a distraction that comes with being able to play the sport that I love. Well, this is that moment where suddenly the NBA said that players were going to have their voice. They need to step up and use it because if they don't in this moment, it really sends the opposite message. It sends a message that we are moving forward and we're just going to allow escapism to take over. So I think first and foremost, when the players look at this, they're looking at this as not an opportunity, but a a responsibility to stand up and say, hey, this is what matters to us. This is how we want these things to be addressed. And we are going to be shepherds for the conversation. Somebody has to do it. And I can't think of a better group of people to do it, frankly, than NBA athletes. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, this feeling that they're trapped, right? And they've articulated that. Like, there were players that were willing to drive across multiple states to be a part of activism in the communities that they cared about. They're literally in a bubble that they're not allowed to leave. And that feeling of restriction uh, probably both mentally and literally physically uh, causes them to, to, to question their decision to allow people to engage in and be entertained by them while still, for many, not respecting them and not treating them like human beings, not valuing their lives. And so I think what we're seeing as the NBA decides to embrace this, Fitz, is that the NBA understands we are part of this with you. And and this, more than any other league, has been hand in hand throughout from the beginning of COVID to now. How do we make these decisions for each other and with each other about whether to play at all? And if we do, what does it look like? And what do our courts and our jerseys and our statements look like? Well, they decided to postpone. I don't think that strengthens or necessarily weakens the moment. Some are saying that the NBA kind of took the legs out from under it by making it sort of a sanctioned protest. I don't think that's the case. I I think... 
they have to do something, right? And to punish the Bucks first for being the first ones to step out and giving them an L for this, you don't have to be a martyr in order for your activism to be genuine. And to argue that the Bucks would have to literally take the L on a playoff game, which they were willing to do when they decided to do this, I think feels like the NBA punishing them for something that now every other team is on board with. There was no real other answer than for them to say, okay, let's all get together tonight, which is what they're doing at 8 Eastern on a Zoom call that they've all been invited to, all the players and coaches. Let's get together and figure out what comes next because we have to do this together. We have to call the TV channels and tell them what to air and when there's going to be a game. We have to tell you guys how to prepare. And, and I think the only way for this to work would be hand-in-hand, hand, as much as it might feel like sanctioning something that should be more grassroots well and hand in hand is how the nba and their players have always worked i mean let's keep in mind that the the players are paid a percentage of the salary cap so anything that costs the league money in essence costs the players money and they're better they're good enough at business to understand that right but to the point of of what squashes the message i'll be honest and and you know me well enough to know that I'm quick to throw myself under the bus. My immediate thought when I heard today that the Bucks were going to boycott the game, my first thought was not about social justice. My first thought was, man, does that make it a 2-2 series? I mean, you talk about the risk they're taking. My first thought went to sports because that's how I'm natured and that's a privilege and advantage I have as a middle-aged white dude. Like, I understand all of these things. But that's part of why I think it was important, in fact, that the NBA get behind the players and what they're doing because otherwise the conversation tonight could be largely dominated by what effect it would have to play off series. How we move yep. forward. What's it mean for this series? How are we going to judge the, the, the Bucks appropriately now that it's 2-2? I mean, all of these things it, it could have been about. I think by the the NBA coming in and doing what they did, they allowed sports to not be a distraction from the mm-hmm. very important conversation players wanted to have. Myron Metcalf, who uh, hosts Sunday morning on ESPN Radio, was on Shanae and Golick Jr. show right before us here on ESPN Radio and talked about how this defines this generation of NBA players. I think for me, this gesture is telling an entire generation, especially of young folks coming up in the city and the surrounding areas, that we see you. And I think that's such an important step in any movement, in any moment, is can you acknowledge the pain that's there? Can you acknowledge the struggle that's there? And I think what the Bucks are doing is they're saying, yes, we are literally isolated in this bubble. And even when we come home, we don't live in some of those neighborhoods that experience some of these challenges, but we are here right with you and we understand what you're going through. And we're going to stop the most important basketball league in the world right now because this matters that much and you matter that much. So for me, it was so important for them to do that and to show that city and all the surrounding areas that they matter. And I think that message is one that people are saying, well, what will it do? I think it's going to affect an entire generation that will always remember what happened today. And Fitz, an important part of that is that there are the inevitable folks, and they're in my timeline and yours and everyone else's saying, well, a bunch of rich dudes, what do they really have to lose? You know, you know, these, these rich guys are going to go back to their mansions. They're not affected by racism. And the answer is, if you don't want to listen to what people of color are telling you and have been telling us for centuries, you're going to say that people who have fame and money and power are too rich and famous and powerful to be listened to. But you're also going to say the same about people with nothing to lose. It's not going to matter who the speaker is. The message is what you don't want to hear. And you will twist and consort yourself into whatever pretzel it requires to say that that person is not worthy of you listening to them. These players have something to lose. 
These players are putting their legacies on the line, the work that they put in for the entire season, the potential that this season never comes to a conclusion with a champion. And they're willing to do that because it matters that much to them. But to Myron's point, they're also willing to do it to empower the people coming up behind them that don't yet have fame and money and influence, that are just a black kid in America wondering, is there anyone out there willing to stand up for me? Is there anyone out there willing to make me feel like I matter and that my life matters and that going forward, the next few decades of my life will not be as painful as they have been up to this point. And that's huge. Yeah, Sarah, I keep thinking about the fact that people forget about the leveraged risk you take when you have a platform, no matter what that is in sports or entertainment. You have a platform and you choose to use that platform to speak on bigger, broader issues. You have to understand that it can change the way you're able to monetize moving forward. It changes mm -hmm. what you're capable of. I mean, there's a lot of risk that comes. And I've I've thought about it in my own life sitting in front of a microphone. There have been times I've been passionate about things and thought, man, can I speak out to that? Well, is that okay for my platform? Like, And I have a tiny platform. Now you start thinking about being somebody that's in the NBA and the number of people that look up to you, but also the number of conversations you can force just by being willing to sacrifice your ability to earn money today and your ability to move forward with your career the same as you did the day before. Those are things that you can't put Teach. back in the bag once it's come out, and it's something that NBA players are doing, and it's something that I think is worth respect instead of constantly, as we do with everything else, finding problem and doubt with it because they're putting themselves on the line to create a conversation that matters. WNBA players are, too. The three games scheduled for tonight postponed as part of the protest uh, in the wake of the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha and also the ensuing civil unrest, which included a white teenage uh, vigilante militia member murdering two people in the streets of Kenosha last night. Uh, those uh, those games not yet uh, uh, post you know uh, rescheduled. Uh, coming up, what's the win for the players who are who are postponing games, and uh, what does this mean for the content that's replacing the games that would have been on tonight? We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. This is only the beginning. These players have decided they're not playing today, but we will be watching to find out if they play tomorrow, what is going to get them back on the court, maybe if at all. I have no idea what will happen next. You haven't seen anything like this in the modern era. It's one thing to raise a lot of noise. It's another thing to refuse to play the game. The short term is to get people to stop killing people. It's Spain and company. Oh. It's Spain and Fitz. I knew it. I do. I, I told you yesterday. I made it a whole day. It's Spain and Fitz now. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, now and before on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Guests are going to join us on the Shell Penzoil performance line. Uh, some news coming out now. The Mariners not going to play tonight's game against the Padres after the Mariners players agreed to postpone it. This according to ESPN's Jeff Passan. Mariners uh, reportedly have the most black players on their team in the league. Uh, so we're seeing the repercussions of the Bucks' initial move to strike, to not play tonight's playoff game, uh, reverberating across the NBA, the WNBA, MLB, a statement from NHL that they will not uh, restrict players from speaking out, but they do plan to intend uh, uh, on, on playing those games. Let's get into some straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And one of the things I immediately thought about, Fitz, when I heard about these games going away, because my brain goes to our industry and our business. How does this affect the TV stations that were planning on, on running this, our show that was going to be shortened, like all those things, you're sort of looking logistically at it in addition to the bigger picture issues. And I thought to myself, if TNT and, and anyone else who is set to air games tonight uses that time 
and doesn't fill it with some law and order rerun or whatever, but instead with meaningful conversation about the issues that have inspired this boycott. And that speaks to what these players would most want, right? That this this is Black Lives Matter content. This is raw emotional discussions on these platforms. And so they get to use the platform of being basketball players and of the season restarting while also still having the most high-profile message possible, more so even than if they had never gone to the bubble. And I think Chris Webber on TNT just a couple, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, is a perfect example of that. Here's a, a bit of what he had to say. Well, EJ, it was uh, reported that four years ago today in a preseason game in Wisconsin, that Kaepernick first took a knee. No, this has never happened before, but I'm sure that Dr. Harry Edwards, Dr. John Carlos, Arthur Ashe, Jackie Robinson, and others have been praying for this day. Shout out to Kenny. They walked off. I wanted to have a voice in here because I feel like we only had the same couple voices talking during these times. So it's very important for me to come over here. I keep hearing the question like, what's next? What's next? Well, you got to plan what's next. You have to figure out what's next. Um, I'm very proud of the players. I don't know the next steps. Don't really care what the next steps are because the first steps are to garner attention. And they have everybody's attention around the world right now. Then leadership and others will get together and decide the next steps. So we know it won't end tomorrow. We know that there's been a million marches and nothing will change tomorrow. We know vote. We keep hearing vote. Everybody vote. But I'm here to speak for those that are always marginalized. Those that live in these neighborhoods where we preach and tell them to vote and walk away. Charles Barkley came to my high school. Just seeing him in the locker room, seeing his hands and his body, that inspired me. You can't see something you can't be something until you see it. And when I tell you the little kids that have called me upset, I have a godson that has autism, and I just had to explain to him why we aren't playing. Uh, there's a lot more that he had to say, but we want to share our thoughts on it as well. And before he came on with his emotional thoughts uh, Kenny the Jet uh, took off his microphone and said he, he was walking off the stage, didn't feel like he was able to be present in the moment and articulate his thoughts in a way that was appropriate and wanted to stand with the players in stepping off and removing himself. Uh, Fitz, what Chris Weber has to say, I think, is a huge part of this. What's the win here? Because yeah. if we're having the same conversations as all of those incredible activists and athletes from decades ago, and, and Al Duncan said... There's only been one boycott of, of an NBA game in 1961. Bill Russell with a handful of other Celtics out in protest of racial injustice. Fifty years later, the same thing. Then what comes next in order for this to be meaningful? And how do you go into those neighborhoods he's talking about and actually promise that there's change instead of just the same? Well, I think much of what the world has seen over the last few months is an evolution in the want to be a part of a solution. And, you know, honestly, one of the most powerful things that, that Chris said in that segment we just heard is that, I don't know. I mean, when he says, I don't know how we fix it. I don't know what the next steps are, but I know in this moment. And, and there's sort of a level of 
players are hurting in this moment and players want to have their voice be heard in this moment. And it stands out to me, Sarah, that for the NBA, I mean, they, they had two choices here. They essentially limit the players' voices and try and force everybody to play, which will, in essence, uh, hurt their relationship with the players and really, in my mind, increase the chance that a bunch of players will just decide they don't want to be in the bubble or the NBA can stand with them. I think that one of the powerful things that happens by the players and the NBA working together in the bubble is that this conversation can at least continue at a high level. I mean, I think to, to part of the, the at least the conversation about how are we talking about the same things 50 years later, I can only speak again from my life but I didn't hear as much of these conversations a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, I went to a, a largely uh, black high school and didn't feel these things when I was in high school to the same level. So it feels like everybody's got a heightened level of awareness. Mm-hmm. One of the keys, I think, right now is that we continue these conversations, these difficult conversations. A lot of times, if you're like me, and again, living in complete white privilege, it's it's a difficult conversation to have to come in and admit what you don't know and get more, more expertise from people that have different life experiences. Experience. I think that's what happens by the players using their voice in the bubble, by the NBA taking this moment to postpone everything. It has our eyes focused on the fact that this isn't going in a way. And I believe that if they shut down the bubble and just shut it all down today, that the conversation would end faster. So I think that that's the win for everybody right now is these awkward conversations. Yeah, and I think, you know, you just mentioned, you know, do you get to a point where you say we just are leaving the bubble? What we worried about, what we feared most is happening. We have taken the stands, we've we've protested, we've seen the country erupt with passion towards this cause, and what we see is this man, Jacob Blake, shot seven times in the back. What we see is a white teenager, uh, Rittenhouse, who has now been identified as, as someone who murdered two people and walked down the street past police cars with an assault rifle and was allowed to just go home. Was not until video was revealed that he was tracked down having left the state, gone back home, uh, and was he apprehended, alive, unlike anybody else who didn't murder two people and still found themselves dead at the hands of police. So uh, if they leave, I worry that we talk about it for a while. There was no championship, what was lost for you know teams like the Lakers and the Bucks, and then, and then we stop and we move on to football. I worry if they stay and start playing again, we get back to those conversations. It's not an easy answer. Yeah, and you're a thousand percent right. That's some straight talk from Sarah. Straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. I don't know the answer, but I know that the conversations are uncomfortable, and that is part of the answer to me, Sarah. Yeah, we'll get into what inspires them to make that decision when they all meet tonight. Uh, there's a lot of different skin in the game for, for different players, uh, whether they're on the precipice of potentially their first title or, or whether they are a team that just genuinely feels like they can't play right now. We'll get into all of it next. Spain and Company, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I mean, this isn't the first time this happened in my community. We're doing everything we can, but at the end of the day, it's up to our lawmakers, it's up to our, you know, our police department to stop shooting us. It's that simple. You know, we decided to come down here to play for, and we said we're going to speak on the social injustice and the things that continue to happen you know, to our people. It's not right. I mean, we can't do anything. We shouldn't even came to this damn place, to be honest. Uh, I think coming here just took all the focal points off of what the issues are. It started with what looked like a boycott or a strike, depending on your perspective, by the Milwaukee Bucks. And now it's led to massive postponement across the NBA, the WNBA, Some Major League Baseball teams affected. The fallout continues, and it's going to lead to a really difficult conversation tonight for NBA players. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, 
Sirius XM Channel 80 presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz alongside Sarah Spain. Don't forget ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together. You can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Now, Sarah, tonight there will be a Zoom call for the NBA players. They've all Everyone in the bubble has been invited to participate. Some have said that the season hangs in the balance. They're trying to figure out how to continue, if they want to continue, what those next steps are. As we know right now, there will be no games played today. We don't know what the answer is going to be for tomorrow. But it leads to a very interesting conversation because certainly while many players align in how they view these issues, there isn't always alignment and how to handle the issues, Sarah. So tonight, what you're going to have are different people with different, essentially, skin in the game in Orlando, different opportunity, different playoff implications, different legacy implications, all having to decide what's best for them individually, what's best for their team, and that's also what is best for the social conversation that matters to so much of the league. I think it's a very, very difficult and nuanced conversation to ask a lot of people to come together with one decision tonight. I completely agree. Uh, And what's going to be interesting, too, is understanding what's truly motivating a player's or a team's leanings in these conversations, right? Because someone could very genuinely uh, be on the Lakers and truly believe that what's best for this messaging and this moment is to get back out on the court, but to continue to pursue meaningful policy change, get commitments from people in higher up places, whether that's lawmakers, uh, wealthy owners of teams, Right. To get the commitments to change that cannot happen overnight, understanding that nothing can be done literally overnight and then say we want to play out the rest of the season. And they could mean it 100 percent you know, with all with all of the passion of their being and have it be completely separate from their desire to pursue a championship that they are one of the favorites to win. And you could have a player on a team that's a lesser team that's not looking like it's in a good position and they could genuinely believe that there is no option except to leave the bubble and to get back out into their communities and to use the activism and, and their voices uh, in ways that they're unable to do in, in, in Orlando. And they could both genuinely mean it. But being able to decipher that if you're on the opposite side could get very heated, right? Uh, whether you believe that they're making that decision solely based on what they think is right uh, and whether you even blame them if they're not, if they're trying to combine and say, I would like to do what's best for me and and honor and value the year's worth of work and money and time that we put into this and also keep this movement going. Um, and, and that's one thing I think is important is this expectation of martyrdom and losing everything in order to prove the veracity of your intentions. It's something that came up often with Colin Kaepernick. It's extremely frustrating to me. You do not have to be a martyr and lose everything for your intent to be valid. And, and I don't think the NBA needs to be done with this season or next season or quit their jobs or become poor or go homeless in order for people to buy it from them. And there are some people that will never be satisfied and, and they need to not appeal to those people. They need to figure out how to balance what moves this movement forward and also respects them and their work and what they do. By the very nature, Sarah, of what you mentioned with martyrdom, I'm only it, it strikes me that so many people are not interested in having a conversation and something we've heard Jay Will say several times on the morning show, uh, Zubin, Jay Will, or sorry, Keyshawn, Jay Will and Zubin. Uh, we've heard several times Jay Will is saying, hey, have hard conversations, listen. And that's been something that, you know, when I've talked this summer uh, to Emmanuel Acho or over the course of the summer to L. Duncan, one of the things that so many of my friends that have been really impacted by this have said, hey, 
ask tough questions and listen. And I think for for anybody that's stuck on the martyr issue, I'm not sure that that's a person genuinely interested mm-hmm. in listening. And, and it's it's a tough situation for a team. You mentioned the Lakers, but I keep thinking of, for example, the Bucks. They know what's in, uh, at stake. I mean, after this playoff bubble, they're going to have the opportunity to re-sign Giannis, and winning a championship would certainly help that. But squishing Giannis's voice would also hurt their opportunity to re-sign him. So mm-hmm. I've got to feel like you're if you're a team, you're wow, looking at this thing. Wow, that's crazy. Like, I hadn't I, thought of that. Like, they want to support him in what he thinks is best, but they also know that if they support him and that means not playing and then he goes off somewhere else, and, oh, wow. I mean, that's a real, like, uh, look, this isn't about sports, but if you run the the Bucks and you're looking over and you're saying, man, Brooklyn's going to be really stinking good next year. Our shot at a title is much tougher. Like, this could be our last shot. But at the same time, Giannis, you, you do what you need to do, and we want you to be heard. Like, I can't imagine how difficult it would be to own a team right now or to run a team right now and try and find the line between the championship that means so much to an organization but also the voice that means everything to the player and making sure that you respect both sides. It's interesting to hear people bring up the name of Kyrie Irving because he was a guy who very steadfastly said that they should not have a restart, there should not be any play in the bubble, that everything should be focused on the moment. And it wasn't disingenuous. This is a guy who's very invested and has been for a long time in serious issues. As much as I, I crack jokes about the flat earth stuff and that wasn't actually funny to me, I really I felt bad for teachers who said students literally came into class and said, Kyrie Irving says the world's flat, so I'm not going to listen to you. Uh, teachers have it tough enough, but he has given money and started a fund for WNBA players who were unable or chose not to play in the bubble to make sure that they were financially secure. He's chosen in a lot of ways to try to, um, you know, take this pivotal moment in our country's history and do something with it. And a lot of people are bringing up his name and saying, look, he was right. And I, I don't know that you can do the sliding doors side-by-side comparison and say that this moment means anything about the decision that was made a month or two ago to play in the bubble. I think they are using a platform right now that they wouldn't even have if they hadn't played. And who's to say what work would have been done in the interim, but I don't know that you can say for certainty that it would have, with any certainty, that it would have changed what's going on right now. This is a long battle. And and, and to that end, Sarah, I mean, I don't want to be cynical, but uh, there's a part of me that says, okay, if they're not in the bubble... We're not talking about what NBA players have to say about what's happened in this country in the last couple of days at all if they're spread across are. the country. I, I mean, think we are. It's not the same. It's not nearly the same. But I, do, I don't think that we ignore the strong voices of NBA players uh, were they to have stayed out. I'm not sure. Okay, so that's probably fair. There's probably some middle ground. I'm not saying that we would completely ignore it, but I don't think it would rule the news cycle when right. we have the, the boycotting or now postponement of games. And I, the only reason I'm being clear on that is – has been pointed out. I mean, they're actually labor partners, so I guess it would be a strike more than a boycott. Right. But the NBA... We keep saying boycott because that's the original language used. We understand that a boycott is a product and a strike is when you're the product and they're technically striking. We're just going to keep using both words, and you guys know what we mean. But they're also no longer striking because it's just been postponed by the NBA. So the NBA right. took all of that clarity or all of but that. But we can't you know, just say postponement because people who don't understand what's happening will think they were merely postponed, which is not actually what happened. <laughs> This but thank you so easy, much for all, all the right? menchies. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's really what's most important right now, as oh, you guys are reminding us. Thank you. Schematics really are, are so important. <laughs> semantics, but, uh, you mean? Semantics? Uh, yes. Semantics, schematics is close enough. <laughs> that is you know? the best. I think uh, that's irony. I don't know. It's uh, tough to identify, but I'm pretty sure you <laughs> not getting the word right when trying to say semantics is irony. 
I think I think that's I'm gonna go with you with on that. Also, one. I'm yeah, glad because yesterday you were nailing all the reads, and I thought you changed on me overnight. I thought since the last time we hosted together, I suddenly had this buttoned-up intellectual that will never entertain me with this improper word choice. But here we are with schematics. No, no, no. I'm so not. happy. And then we're really one, back. One important note, Sarah, is that while I have learned to read, I've now gone full Ron Burgundy. So if somebody writes one thing wrong on the copy, I'm done. I can't get through any of it. I will All right. keep that in mind and use it to sabotage you on a day that I'm mad at you. That is perfect. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Obviously, we're getting you caught up on all the big breaking news right now. The NBA will not be playing games tonight. Let's just say it that way. It's much easier for all of us. <laughs> so what's go. it mean for the league? What's it mean for the players moving forward? We'll talk to ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler next. We'll get his thoughts on everything that's happening in the NBA next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I just want to send my prayers out to Jacob Blake and their family. You know, we decided to come down here to play for, and we said we're going to speak on the social injustice and the things that continue to happen, you know, to our people. It's not right. It's just sickening. It's, it's heartless. You're supposed to look at the police to protect and serve, and, and now it's looked at harass or shoot. When is lethal force necessary? You know, we can't do anything from right here, but I think definitely when this all settles, you know, some things need to be done. NBA players were clear coming into the bubble that they were worried that their voices wouldn't be heard the same on social justice issues. Well, today, they took some of that power back into their own hands. It started with the Milwaukee Bucks deciding not to play tonight. That has now led to the NBA not playing games at all tonight. We don't know the status of tomorrow's games at this point, and they're not the only sport affected. Not only, as we just told you, is it affecting some Major League Baseball players and games tonight, it's also affecting the WNBA that's canceled their games. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz with Sarah Spain, and we're again going to get you straight to the Shell Penzo performance line. One of our goals today is to give you as much insight from people that are in the know as possible as we react to the news just like you guys are doing it. Uh, so we're going to do that in just a second, but uh, we'll, we'll get there in a second with some WNBA insight, Sarah. But, you know, we were talking about it during the break. None of this is easy. I mean, it, whether no matter where you are as a player right now, you're trying to listen to your teammate. You're trying to figure out what matters for your own family, your own finances. You're trying to figure out how to prioritize what matters to you, but also respect what matters to the people that you share a locker room with. I mean, there's a very human element of the cancellation, postponement, or strike around games that I think is significant that we have to remember makes these conversations difficult even for players that are all in the same locker room yeah it's fascinating right we've seen the center move in a way that resulted in drew Brees being criticized for being anti-kneeling right after seeing the way that uh, colin kaepernick was treated for his stance we've seen players being criticized um, across various sports that have returned post-pandemic and these discussions about an entire team kneeling and one or two standing and they're the ones drawing the ire you can forgive me if I don't feel too sorry for people who are on what I consider to be the wrong side of evolution and uh, movement towards equality uh, because it's been centuries of the opposite, right? So if now this is an issue for the players who are not willing to take a stand for their teammates and coaches and friends and family that are people of color, then maybe they deserve to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And again, each person is allowed to make the, the move that's right for them. And I certainly am not begrudging anyone that chooses to, for instance, stand for the anthem. But if you're someone who's arguing against using your platform and your profile to advocate for something like this, if you are a stick to sports person within your own sport while you see the pain 
that is affecting your teammates and the people around you, then I don't have that much sympathy for you. Because guess what? You've been getting to ride through pretty easy for the majority of your lifetime as an athlete while the people around you had to balance what it was to be a person of color outside of the court and the field, what it meant to be black in a country that can mean that that your life is in danger because of it. So if you're a little uncomfortable because people are criticizing you for not standing up for your teammates of color, shucks, I guess I'm okay with that. Well, and and to be transparent with you guys, we intended to talk to WNBA Chicago Sky head coach James Wade. Uh, We know now that we're not going to be able to talk to him. The players called an emergency team meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's still going on, and I think that's an important note to give people because it's a reminder that these are layered, complex conversations. When the Bucks decided today that they weren't going to play, there were multiple reports from Woj and others that uh, the players, now, their bags were all brought. They At one point, they emptied the room, but then they brought in marker boards for the room. Like Obviously, there's some deep and meaningful conversation going on, which I think is important and key here because one thing that we've learned from the proper and improper handling of whatever decisions are being made right now Uh, in the country, whether they're related to social justice or whether they're related to COVID-19 handling. One thing that we've learned is that the answer of just because isn't enough, that that fans and players and uh, people around the media are going to be asking detailed questions. So I think it's important for the players to come out of whatever they decide they're going to do, Sarah, with not only the ability to stand together, but the ability to speak to why they're doing whatever it is they're doing next and exactly what they want, because they have a captive audience that's looking at them saying, okay, what is it that you're hoping to accomplish? So while I don't think they need to have that answer today for them to take action, I do think it's important that they come out of whatever meetings they're having, whatever discussions they're having, with a clear-cut plan on what they're going to do to move towards having that answer because that's the real question people are going to keep asking. I agree with you. And I think, you know, the question is whether that that that, that group of people who wants to know what's next are, are asking with a genuine intent or in bad faith. And if they're asking in bad faith... That is such a good... I'm sorry to cut you off. That is such a dang good point because there's such a tonal difference between, all right, well, what's next? Or... Guys, what's what's next? How can we do different? I mean, that that's such a great exactly. point by you. Because if they're asking in bad faith, we don't need to waste any time with them, and neither do any of these athletes. You and I don't have to answer it in our mentions. And the people who care about moving this country forward in an image of the ideals that it was founded upon, which it has never actually realistically uh, been applied to the people that live in this country, uh, then we don't, we don't need to waste our time with people who are asking those questions in bad faith. So I think for them, uh, both internally and using their own wisdom and the wisdom of the people around them within their uh, communities, their families, their friends, their teams, their leagues, Uh, they will make a decision that they believe is best. And we hopefully will react to it in a way that understands, you know, where it's coming from. Because listen, like I said before, it's going to suck. It's going to hurt if they feel like they're playing, but a part of them wants to be outside of that bubble in the communities they care about exacting change. It's going to hurt if they get out of that bubble, they don't finish the season, and they see an entire season and potentially seasons worth of work and coming together fall flat without any opportunity to, to capitalize it on it with a championship and potentially teams broken up without ever realizing their intent. It's going to suck either way. And so we need to recognize and respect that what decision they come to as a league and as players and as teams, whether that's the NBA, the WNBA, anywhere else, um, I'm sure it's going to be a hard-fought one. You use the word hurt, and I think it really was powerful and well-placed by you there because one of the things that I think we can say at this point without question is there are a lot of people that are just hurting, and and through this process of not playing, 
this isn't a snow day for NBA players and WNBA players. Everybody that's deciding not to play, they're not looking at it like kids look at snow days where it's like, finally, I don't have to go do my job today. I mean, that's not an easy decision for anybody to make. And I think part of what in the, the word hurt is lost by a lot of people receiving the messages. You forget that the people communicating are hurting. And at some point, a human level is just to look at it and say, okay, I can tell you're hurting. And whether that's you're using that hurt to channel anger or whether it's channeling speaking out or whether it's channeling tears, whatever it's getting you to, I can see the emotion that's coming from a basis of hurt. The conversation that we're not having enough right now is how do we heal that hurt? And and I realize that's a heavy conversation and a deep conversation for a sports talk show. But at some point, that's the core level thing that I think whether you're listening to players because you love them and as, as players and you love buying their jerseys and playing the video game version of them or because you're listening to them as human beings that are hurting. Either way, what players are doing right now is difficult. They're speaking out to something that means something, means everything to them emotionally. And I think that's why I respect it. I can't make anybody else respect it, but I respect the hell out of it because it says so much about the hurt that people are going through right now. Yeah, and to that point, our former colleague Adam Amin, who is just fantastic at his job but is also a fantastic person, posted a thread earlier and a couple tweets from it stand out to me because what you were just talking about of acknowledging the hurt that comes with either losing this opportunity to play the game you love or losing the opportunity to feel like you're doing the right thing by your people and your community, um, that's that's humanizing these athletes in a way that many people choose not to do, and that's done with intention because the ability to dehumanize someone allows you to lose the conditioned empathy that we're all supposed to have for each other. Um, and Adam wrote this, if fidelity to empathy is at the core of our collective human experience, then it's on us to quiet that first reaction from our brains. It's essential to our empathetic nature as humans that we take a breath and then listen and try to understand why our fellow humans are hurt. I refuse to believe that the best part of you at the deepest core of your being that has been conditioned by nature or nurture or religion or experience to care for your fellow person is so far diminished that it can continue to rationalize the pain of your fellow persons. He said some more stuff and then he ended with, do not let the core of your humanity, the very thing you were conditioned to embrace in each other, be extinguished. That is what happens when we decide whatever side we're on is going to lead the way we see a situation like George Floyd or Jacob Blake or I keep forgetting the first name of, of the 17-year-old from last night, Rittenhouse. If you instantly try to find the loophole to try to explain away somebody's death or pain or mistreatment, you're, you're, you're literally pushing down the empathy that you were born to have for a fellow human being in favor of a political line, um, a, a race that you want to align with. Um, and, and that is what leads all these conversations above and beyond and allows us to dehumanize people like these athletes and decide that whatever they're striking for is empty or meaningless or is you know below our need to watch basketball. Sarah, when you when you talk about that, I keep thinking back to something I said earlier, and I realized so much as I sat there and found out that the Bucks were not going to play tonight. My initial reaction in the moment was, "Oh my God, what's that mean for the playoff series? Are they now tied two to two? Like, what conversation are we going to have about the playoffs, and how how does that affect everything moving forward?" My first thought was about sports, which is the exact reason that guys don't want to play right now because they're trying to keep the message mm -hmm. about something far bigger and far more powerful than that, and. You know, obviously what we do for a living dictates part of that, but it's a reminder that so many of us are susceptible to making it about the one thing we can easily compartmentalize to, which is the sport that they play. Yeah, and we have to just keep reminding ourselves that these times are different and things have changed, and hopefully for the better if we keep pushing in the right direction.